So um, I want to tell you my motto of 2020 this morning. My motto has been every week, week by week, for the last 52 weeks, um, I just got to get through this week. Anyone else? Like, we were in finals week, and we were in school, and we would all look at each other, and we're like, we've got all these projects coming up, and we would get done with one project, and we'd be like, we just got to get through this week. And then there it is again, another week and another stressor. And, you know, 2020 has been difficult for so many different reasons. Um, Obviously, we've been dealing with COVID, and um, it's been this kind of jump from one thing to the next this whole time. And my sister-in-law was in Walmart this week, and she found, lo and behold, um, Valentine's candy. And, you know, I'm just like, hold on. You know, just let us enjoy this moment that we are in because I think a lot of times that's what we're doing is we are just going through the motions. We're getting through this thing to get to the next thing, and we're missing out on what's supposed to be happening right in the middle. And so, yes, we did just celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ this week, but I don't want to rush on to the next thing. I'm not ready for Valentine's Day yet. I want to stay in what God has for me right now for this very week. And I pray that by the end of this message, you guys can see why I believe that's so important to stay focused and stay in the moment. So I don't want to just get through this week. I don't want to just get through this message. I want it to be what it needs to be so that we can be empowered. So um. A lot of times when you are doing something out of habit, like maybe you're leaving work and you hop in your car and, or you're leaving Walmart and you know right where you're going, you can like get to your destination and realize that you were maybe on autopilot the whole time that you were driving. Like you get to the home and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't remember even turning at that stop sign. And you know, you begin to be just doing things out of habit and you forget to stay in the moment. And I think that this message for today is a warning. It's to look at 2020 and see it for what it was. And for us, it was a shake out of a comfort zone, out of maybe just doing things out of habit. Maybe you've just come to church because that's what you did every Sunday. But that's not enough to sustain a relationship with God. That's not enough to sustain our faith. It has to be more than just doing this out of habit. And so I pray that as we read through the scriptures this morning, that that's what we do. We see areas of our lives where we have been doing things on autopilot, where maybe we have fallen asleep, where we have forgotten the mission, we've forgotten the passion, and we've forgotten the purpose of what it means to be Christ followers. So the title of this message is Not to be Rude, But... So this is something I hear from my youth all the time, and I hear from young adults. Um, And it's what they say before they're about ready to tell you something that's going to, like, really hurt your feelings. But it's probably the truth. Not to be rude, but fill in the blank. And the thing is, Jesus actually said things that were truthful a lot. And actually, in the scripture that we're going to read today, he says, But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. And I don't know what would be more sad for me than to get to the gates of heaven and stand before Jesus and think I had lived my life for him but realized that I was on autopilot, that I had fallen asleep, that I had not allowed him to do the work in me and through me that he was wanting to do. And I just think that that would be the hardest truth. He says, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. 
And so the message today is not an easy one. Um, it's been about a month ago that I went into Carrie's office and I was like, I think God wants me to preach on Matthew 25. And Matthew 25, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you brought your Bible, if you did not, you can check under the pew and see if there's a Bible available for you there. I was not with it enough this week to put it on the screen. So sorry, bear with me. So Matthew 25 is the first place that we're going if you have your Bible. And the reason that I told her I didn't really want to preach on this verse is because when you get to the end of it, Jesus gives a very hard truth. And when I'm teaching with the youth or I'm teaching up here, like, I want to bring the grace message. I want to bring the forgiveness message. I want to bring the reconciliation message. Those are easier for me to talk through. But when you have to tell people who are believers in Jesus Christ that some of them, half of them actually, according to this verse, are going to get to heaven and God's going to reply to them, I don't know you, those are really hard words to preach. And so I just have prayed a lot about it, and this is the only place that he's gotten me. So that's where we're going to be this morning. It's a lot of text, so bear with me. <clears throat> you can follow along in your Bibles. Matthew 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So... I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about context with this whole verse because I think it's really powerful when you understand like the whole concept of what it meant to be in the relationship during that time and this whole engagement process. So I've been doing some research, but I sure didn't go to college to become a, a Bible teacher. So if you know better than me, you can put in the comments online and you guys can correct me later. But here's how I understand it. When a man and a woman wanted to become married, it was arranged for them. And the father paid a price for that bride. They got together and they made a covenant agreement. At this covenant agreement, they drank a glass of wine and that you know, solidified the engagement. But they weren't married yet. That was just the engagement. Then after that, the man would go back to his father's house and he would build a home for his new bride. And this could take a long time to build this house. It could either be like an attachment onto his father's home or it could be a completely separate house. And no one knew when he was going to return back to the bride. So the wedding party would all wait with their lights, their lamps ready in just anticipation 
for when the groom was going to return. Because when he returned, there would be a huge celebration. It would be a seven-day-long party, and then it would be a consummation of the marriage, and then they would be married. So it was a big deal for these attendants to wait. Because, like it said here, no one knew when it would be. And it could be at midnight at the dark hour. And so they had a job to do. They were supposed to lead the procession. They were supposed to wait and be ready at any time to begin this wedding party. And so Jesus is using this parable to explain what it's going to be like when he returns for the bride. And we are the bride. And so when I think about Jesus' words to his disciples in the Last Supper, when they, they became this covenant agreement, they broke bread at that table and they drank wine together. And then Jesus proceeds to tell them that he has to leave and that he is going to be gone. But he says, do not worry, I will build a house for you, my father's house. I just, I love that imagery of how Jesus talks to us and how he lets us know that, yes, I am going to be leaving you, but I am preparing a place. And he tells his disciples to be ready, to be ready for him to return. He wants to found, find us with our oil, with our lamps lit, doing his business. And so the imagery of the wedding party is just so beautiful. And... Um, as I read the scripture the first time, so what I, I typically do is I read through scripture and then I ask myself questions that I don't understand about it. And then I do research and I start to dig and find out the truth. I'm like, like, what is this wedding party and what does this mean? And, you know, how come they're left out? And I ask myself all these questions. And so the first question that I ask myself is, why are these five bridesmaids so stingy? And I think about the church and I'm like, so is this like us? And we have a supply and we're being stingy and we're not sharing. And I started to ask God, you know, what is this and what am I supposed to get out of this part of scripture? And actually what I found out is what this is talking about is salvation. And so as you look at these scriptures and you think about it and you think about your own salvation, my first takeaway point is your salvation is your own. And this is something I talk about with the youth a lot because they're being brought to church. And sometimes they don't want to be here. They don't want to be at youth. They don't want to be sitting in the pews. Um, and they're just coming because it's something that they're doing. They're being told to do. They're being forced to do. At some point, they have to own their own salvation. And that's the same for us as adults. Maybe you were a youth that was brought to a church and your parents taught you the Bible, but maybe you didn't accept the salvation as your own. You see, they couldn't get oil from the bride's maids they had to have their own we have to have our own salvation no one is going to stand in front of God on judgment day and represent us and say well they have salvation because I give it to them you have to own that you have to receive and accept Jesus's gift of salvation for yourself so the first one is your salvation is your own the second one is this business about having oil and not enough oil and what is the oil. And unfortunately, the oil is made out of olives and the only way to get that precious oil out of the olives is to crush it, to press it, and to, to drain every last drop. It doesn't come out pretty. And so for us to have enough oil to keep our lamps lit for God, 
we have to be in relationship with him and his Holy Spirit as he takes the impurities out of us. It is so crushing. It is oppressing. It is a daily dying to yourself, saying no to your flesh, and allowing God to use you. It's only your own oil that you can have. No one else can walk through this life and, and, and experience the things that you're going to experience and go to the end and preserve. You have to do it on your own. Okay, my third point is no one knows the day or the hour. Verse 13 says, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So what this message is not about is end times prophecy. I'm not here to say that this is a preparation sermon for the end of the world to come. That's not what I'm preaching this morning. I actually believe that the end of the world could come for me personally at any moment. It's about living your life in anticipation for eternal purposes, for the kingdom. Nobody knows the day or hour. I mean, just in the last six weeks, I've had five youth who have experienced death very close to them. We've had grandparents. We've had fathers. We've had boyfriends. We've had, you know, you name it. These are the, these are the young people that are now experiencing these deaths. And like I said, 2020 has been very hard. We have had COVID, but there has been death from isolation, death of the friendships, relationships. People are not being nice to each other. I mean, if you have a differing opinion with someone, you may be able to fight with them on Facebook. Like, it's not a pleasant year. Whether or not COVID was in existence, there's a lot that has been a valley, a valley that we have been walking through. And for those people who maybe had salvation at the beginning, but did not sustain the relationship with Jesus Christ, they will not make it through a valley. They will not preserve to the end. They will, they will fall asleep and not be ready for whatever hour or day it is. David talks about, teach me to number my days. If we live our life with anticipation for the kingdom, for another world, if our mission and our focus is on making, making more disciples and better disciples, we are on mission for what Jesus has called us to do. And he will find us faithful. So one of the people in the Bible that I just love to read is Paul. And the Apostle Paul lived this way. He lived his life in anticipation for heaven. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always do that because I really like it here. I'm, I love it here. I love this world that God has created. I love people. I love being outside and in nature. And so I, I don't always live with the anticipation of the, the next life that I will live, the eternal life that I will live with Jesus. And so I'm going to read this scripture if you want to turn with me. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. This is the Apostle Paul. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. 
Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So, like I talked about earlier, I'm, I don't want to rush through 2020. Even as difficult as it has been, God has shown me so many things and places where we can do better, where this is a preparation year for us. It's a wake-up call for the church. Um, and that wake-up call is not self-preservation. The call for the Christian life is not to self-preserve. I mean, the Bible even says those who love their life will lose it. And those who lose their life in this earth will find it in eternal life. So we should be eternal-minded. So we have an opportunity here with the next few days before we move into 2021. And I can remember when I was working at WIC, which is um, a nonprofit agency that is stands for Women, Infants, and Children. And so what they do is they provide food for mothers who are pregnant, breastfeeding, or young kids until their age of five. And I was a breastfeeding um, counselor. I don't even know how the job came about. The door just opened, and I said yes. Elizabeth was six months old when I started at WIC. And um, I just progressed there at that position. But I felt God calling me out of WIC and into full-time ministry here at the church. Um, and so at the time, I was kind of getting frustrated with WIC. I was not finding myself present when I was at work. I wanted to be listening to scriptures and listening to sermons and reading the Bible and asking those questions and digging for the truth. I felt myself longing to be here when I was there. And I was listening to um, different tapes and stuff by Joyce Meyer and something she said just really resonated with me. And I try to remember this anytime I'm going from one thing to the next. And she said, um, how you leave or end one thing is how you go into the other. So what I was doing at work, not being fully focused on my job, on, on my clients, and being excited about what I was doing, is that how I wanted to come into this role here at First Church of God? Not full of um, energy and excitement and enthusiasm and, and passionate about what I was going to be doing here. And so that just really resonated with me. And so it clicked. And I remembered in that moment I was going to end that well. I was going to work to my fullest ability in preparation for that same impact when I came here to church. And so I think that's the opportunity that we have going into 2021. I'm not talking about like New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about a preparation, an asking of ourselves. Have I fallen asleep? What areas of my life do I need to be woke up from? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify me? Not just the salvation of grace, but the sanctification of grace. The pressing, the crushing, the, the becoming more like Jesus. And it's a process. And it doesn't happen overnight. But it's a process. And that is what God is after. He's after the heart 
He sees your motives. He knows where you are lacking and where you need to increase. And so for the church, I think that's what we need to do over the next four days. We need to look at areas of our life that God wants us to begin the change now. So there are people I hear all the time, I won't throw anybody under the bus, but um, there's certain people that talk about they're going to start a diet and they'll be, you know, eating Papa John's on Friday night and the plan is to start the diet on Monday. The diet never lasts. You've got to go ahead and make the change now. You've got to make the decision now, a conscious decision, before you go on to the next thing. You cannot put off tomorrow what you need to do today. And so before we even get to 2021, we need to be asking ourselves, how do we want 21 to look? What do we want to change about ourselves? What's our mission going to be? What's our passion going to be? Am I making disciples? You are called to a royal priesthood. It's the priesthood of all believers. It's not a one-person job. It's not a two-person job. It's the whole church. And we are in a time when people are, are hungry for truth. They're hungry for freedom. And that is the role of every Christian believer, to be found faithful in spreading the gospel, spreading the good news. And so that's my challenge for you guys over the next several days, is to get with God and ask him how 21 is supposed to look. And get with it. Get on with God. I talked about at the beginning, I didn't want to really preach this message because in the end, the door is shut. And then I talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, this tension of living here, but living for eternal purposes. And there's all this clothed and unclothed and nakedness. And when you find something in the Bible, the only way to really truly comprehend what is being said is to go to the original spot in the Bible that you find that information. And so in Genesis, three twenty-one, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So in the beginning, there was no death. And then Adam and Eve sinned. It says they were naked and unashamed. And then after they sinned, they were filled with guilt and shame. They were hiding from God. They didn't want him to see them in their nakedness. And God is just. That's all he can be. He cannot be anything of what he is. So he's just. So when there is sin, there has to be consequences. There must be something to pay the price for the sin. And so in that mercy, when God could have killed Adam and Eve, he showed and extended mercy and grace. And I don't know what kind of animal was killed that day, but it was killed. Blood was shed for the sin of Adam and Eve. And God took the skin of that animal and clothed them. So that they did not have to be naked and ashamed. And for us, Jesus Christ did the same thing. The plan was there from the very beginning. From the first time sin entered the world, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit had a plan to take care of our sin. And Jesus Christ is that plan. God humbled himself. He paid the bride price, and it was a quite high price. It was his only son. 
Jesus made the promise that he would go and prepare a place for us and he will return. And nobody knows the hour or the day or the moment. It says it'll be like the days of Noah. People will be eating and drinking and being married and being married off. So don't get caught up in the end times. Stay on mission. The mission doesn't ever change. We are to make disciples. We are to make God known. That is what we are called to do. I love the singing of the baby. <laughs> 2020 has been a valley. The trials and the pressures have been very hard. And if we are pressing into Jesus, we have produced oil that is pleasing to the Lord. And this message is only sad and only hard if you get to the end and the door you're standing at is the judgment seat and you have not received Jesus. But there is another door that we have the chance to, to open. And that door is Jesus standing and knocking and waiting and ask, asking us to let him in. Grace is placed on us. It is not something that we can earn or we deserve. It is all God. To him be the glory. And he desires not one single person to perish. All this year, Jonah has been in my head. And Jonah was told to go and tell the people of Nineveh that they're in the wrong so that they could repent and be forgiven. And Jonah said, nope. Jonah said no. He didn't want them to be forgiven for their sins. You know, that's what we are called to do when you are called to preach to people, when you are called to spread the gospel. Sometimes you're going to tell people what they don't want to hear. But it doesn't matter. You still have to do it. And so as Christians, I'm not saying we start telling everybody their sin and pointing it out. But what you can do is you can share with them what he's done in your life. You can share your testimony. You can share that Jesus loves you that much that he has freed you from all your sins. And you can lead them to Christ. It's not by power or by might. It's not some correct prayer that we have to pray. The Holy Spirit will do it. You just have to lift Jesus up. Jesus above everything. And all men will be drawn to him. So that's another thing that we need to add to our list before we move into 2021. Are we going to make disciples? Are we going to see people set free? Are we going to see the church growing and thriving and operating in its gifts and talents and abilities? Because I believe that is what God wants us to do. The future is going to be bright because our lights are going to be lit bright. We are waiting for Christ's return. We're going to ask the praise team to come up and they're going to lead us in our last song. So my prayer for us this morning is that we live this life in anticipation for the next. That if you have a message that God has given you, whether it be hard or easy, that you preach it. Because each of us are, are given that gift and ability to spread the good news. Will you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for um, this opportunity to speak, Lord. And God, I just pray that um, we, we are humbled and we hear from you, Lord. That we would be found faithful, that our lights would not be dimmed, Lord. That you would allow us to shine this light, Lord.
so that we can lead other people to you, Jesus. We want to be in agreement with you that we do not want one single person to get to that door and you say, I do not know you. Lord, that breaks my heart. Lord, we pray for our children. We pray for our spouses. We pray for our parents that do not know you yet, Lord, that they would come to this point of opening the door and receiving your salvation your precious blood that was shed, that was paid at a high price to cover our sin, Lord, so that we may stand before you blameless and holy on that day of judgment, whenever it would be, Lord. I pray for those this year that have been hurting. I think so much of the, the ones who have not left their house, Lord, my heart just breaks for them. The isolation, Lord. I pray for them right now, Lord, that they would just be filled with your spirit, with your hope, with renewed energy, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who have lost loved ones this year, that they would have healthy grieving, that they would press into you, Lord, that this would be sweet fragrance, Lord, that they would be able to share that testimony with others as well. And God, there's so many more hurts and struggles and relationships that have been broken this year due to just ugliness is the only word I have for it. And that breaks my heart too, God. But, Lord, you do ask us to break our hearts for what breaks yours. And so, God, we're right there with you. Lord, we want to partner with you to to set captives free. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Let us just be your donkey carrying you, Lord. God, we just give you all the glory. In Jesus' name.